0: Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between host David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges, so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here is your host, David Chavez.
1: Hello, everybody, this is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa, and we're here with George Gitchell today and uh, exciting guest. And we'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, but just wanted to bring to your attention this Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, two o'clock um, Eastern Time. We will be doing a workplace conflict and how to how to improve your productivity and reduce some of the conflict. And we will have our coach, LJ, on doing that event. And it should be a really good one. It's an hour long. And so just get onto our website at assuredstrategy.com uh, backslash event. And you will see LJ there at the very top. And you can just go ahead and register by clicking on her. And then our next live event is September. September the 7th in Portland. So all you people up there in the uh, Northwest United States, you might want to come over and join us in Portland. Um, We have Ted Savada uh, doing a metronomics workshop, and it's on a book uh, called 3HAG, and it's a planning system for three years and, and beyond. And he's going to be doing that live in Portland. So that's actually a live all day event. And then um, LJ is this Thursday. So let's get on to the show. It's got an exciting guest today. Um, And what we do here at Strategy Sherpa Show is we take some of the mistakes we've made and some of the failures we've had, and we talk about them, not from the standpoint of, of just being a failure, but to help everybody out there learn from some of our mistakes that we have made. And, you know, I ran into George on uh, LinkedIn probably about six months ago. And, you know, I get so many people um, uh, hitting me on LinkedIn and George does too. And we ended up connecting to each other in some way. I can't even remember, George, maybe you do. And That's um. Me yeah yeah and and, and when I asked him what his tie his title was a little different, what's your title again, George??
2: <laughs> I said that I was a visionary entrepreneur
1: yeah and 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 so I said, well, what is that? just because a lot of people say things like that, and not really understand. And then when George replied back to me, I got, oh, my gosh, this guy's for real. I can just tell from his answer in LinkedIn. And, and um, him and I started a conversation and it turned out we had a lot of things in common. And George has been on a mission for a lot of his life. And so it'll be a really interesting story. But George, why don't you tell us a little bit about George and uh, up to now, and then we can talk a little bit about your issue but um, that you had. Um, why don't
2: you uh, share a little bit about George with us? Sure. So, thank you very much for having me on the show, David. I, I remember having a really great connection with you when we talked about all that stuff. Obviously, you have deep experience in business, and, and I've been around for a while too. So, this is my 41st year of being an entrepreneur. So, I'll be 64 um, in a couple of months. And, uh, you know, it so all lot, started... lot,
1: lot, Lots of wisdom there, then, right, Jordan? Uh,
2: lots, lots of experience. Yes, lots <laughs> of wisdom, um, lots of learning, lots of persistence. Um, but it all started, I have a a few people in my family that were entrepreneurs. And, um, when I graduated from college, I went to university of Santa Clara. I graduated in 1981 with a degree in marketing. And I, I interviewed with 15 different companies and got offers from all of them. And I decided to take a job with Burroughs business forms. And the reason why I did that is I figured if I could learn how to sell business forms, I could sell anything. So I wanted to have that kind of hard nosed sales training to figure out how to sell something that really is a commodity, and and how you have to exercise your skill set in such a way to be creative enough, and and driven enough to to close deals like that. So I was in it for about oh I don't know, eight months or so, and I was the number one sales rep in my territory. And I meet this guy on a whim at a bar, waiting in line to get into this place. And he's driving a brand new Porsche. She's got this gorgeous girlfriend living in a beautiful condo. And I'm like, whoa, wh- what What do you do? And he said, well, I'm in the garbage business. And I go, in what way? And he said, well, we rent waste handling and recycling equipment, trash compactors for industry, downstroke balers, all this other stuff. And I'm going, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, tell me more about it. And we became friends and I ended up joining forces with them. The the company is called Nationwide Waste Systems, and basically what we're doing is using a lease-based package to acquire waste handling and recycling equipment and then rent that equipment to large companies. His girlfriend at the time, her father or her stepfather was one of the original members of Fairchild Cameron Instrument, which became Fairchild Semiconductor, which became the birthplace of the Silicon Valley. So her stepfather had all these connections with major entrepreneurs out of the Silicon Valley. And my partner's name was Ron Cletter. He said, well, you know what? We're just gonna go march into all these guys' offices and run them waste compactors, you know, and, and downstroke balers." Well, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so I had taken a class uh, it, as a senior at University of Santa Clara and I had to do a thesis on oil and gas limited partnerships. So I came up with this idea of, well, you know what? I'll write my own prospectus to raise money through private placement, limited partnerships to acquire this fleet of equipment that I can then rent or lease out and using high net worth individuals and their credit line to acquire credit. And I put this whole thing together, everything but the tax opinion. And then I went to all these different tax attorneys. And I finally found one that believed in it. And then once he believed in it, I went to several different manufacturers of equipment and said, I can offer you another way to sell equipment through this rental program. And that birthed the company. And at one point, we had 125 independent distributors throughout the country um, renting equipment for us. And we're making all this money. And um, unfortunately, my business partner ended up liking cocaine more than business. Oh, no. He he flew the coop. And then when the tax laws changed in 1986, we lost our ability to raise money because we were using investment tax credits and accelerated depreciation as the the vehicle for the investors.
0: Right. Yeah. And
2: equipment started coming off rent and the whole thing went up in flames. And I ended up having to go talk to all these investors and tell them that they are, are on the verge of losing all their money. But what I was going to do is sell everything I had and work day and night to sell the entire equipment fleet to pay back the banks and hopefully get them some kind of return on their investment. That's what I did. It took me three and a half years, but I got these people like a 25% return on their investment and they were all happy. And then I started a company called Roseway systems that was basically doing systems integration. The beginning of what we see as recycling today to put different machines together to enable uh, companies to mechanically recycle uh certain items out of the waste stream and that morphed into over all these years so basically is that separating the waste then yes okay so the original premise was that what you see today as modern day recycling is what they call single stream recycling where you put all your recyclables in one bin you put all your garbage in another bin and then you you put all your yard waste in another bin it's a three-route collection system that was kind of devised by the waste industry in California by a company called Recology almost 30 years ago to meet the new recycling mandate. So that's the operating system for the entire waste industry. Any place you go in the in the country, on the residential side, you have this three-route system. Yeah, so, well, that you, required... so, you, so you did those separation machines, and then what did you do after that? Well... Yeah. I, I developed the system that would enable that one blue bin to be recycled using all these different mechanical machines. And I didn't know anything about the patents about patents at the time. So when I designed the first system almost 30 years ago and put it into a client account, all of a sudden within six months, there were six other manufacturers doing the exact same thing. So that was a big painful lesson that I learned way back when. And, and so, after i started doing that then i started looking into other things related to waste and i i went into an account that was doing mixed waste recycling in 1995 it was in northern california at a facility Um, california switched over to this three bin system in the in the early 90s um, as a recycling mandate which was called ab939 where all the cities had to come up with a way to reduce their waste going to the landfill by 2000 by by uh, 50%. So all these cities went with these three route collection systems, but there was one county in Northern California that was very rural. They went with a two route collection program where you put garbage and recycling in one bin and yard waste in another one because of the density of routes, they had to do that to keep the cost down. So um, I come up to this facility and I see that what it is, is, is the garbage trucks are coming into the facility and they dump everything on what's called a tip floor, then a big front end loader pushes it onto a conveyor, goes up th- through a screen, drops out 10 inch minus and two inch minus. And then there's all these conveyors and people are standing there sorting through other people's garbage. And I think this is crazy. I mean, this is like, not, what in America, what what job would be worse? Well, let me tell you something. The working conditions at that place were so bad, I don't know if you remember a a documentary series called Scared Straight, where they would have these hardcore criminals uh, Mm -hmm. basically scare the daylights out of these younger, uh, upcoming hardcore criminals and try to stop them from having a life of crime because they're talking from a federal prison. Yeah. Well, they had a similar program at this facility. It was called Western Placer Waste Management Authority in Placer County where they would bring these troubled youth in for the summer to sort through other people's garbage in this, it's called a material recovery facility, um, you know, in 95 degree heat and have them work there for the summer to get them straight. And they had a higher success rate than the the scary straight documentary series using hardened criminals.
1: So so it just wasn't a good job at all. It was
2: horrible. You know, think about it. Like, if your garbage is sitting outside and, and so, it's 90 degrees so, out all so, week. So once you saw that garbage
1: coming in, what happened then?
2: So I, I saw all that and I thought, this is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And and I had this vision of what I called I called it a vertically integrated environmental campus. And I'm okay. looking at all that and, and looking at all the things in the garbage, and you know, recycling is typically uh paper, cardboard couple different types of plastic, aluminum cans, tin cans, and glass bottles, right? That's what is considered recycling. But when you look in garbage, really everything in there is a resource feedstock to make something else, either a new product or new energy, if you could just separate it all. And Yeah, not- so we
1: have, we have a few minutes left here. So, um, so you did that, and then what else did you do after that, just to make so, sure you have your history down?
2: Sure, sure. So what I did is I, I went down the road, I figured out a way to mechanically separate all this material without using human labor. And then I came up with a system to bolt on technologies on the back end, like a paper mill or a plastics pelletizing plant, all these different technologies. So essentially put all your garbage in one can, you run it through this patented system, everything gets separated, and then everything on the back end gets converted into new products of renewable energy. So you have zero waste going to landfill, cut the carbon footprint in half, and, and save hundreds of millions of dollars for the companies and the residents.
1: So, so you really put all this together after seeing the horrific scene that you saw where people were actually separating this by hand? Yes.
2: Okay, interesting. Yes. And, and, and the other part of it was I thought, why are we throwing these valuable resources into the ground?
1: Yeah, that- yeah. it's it's one, it's one of those situations where you're sitting there, you're looking at that and you're going, there has to be a better way than just throwing all this away. Correct okay and um, all right so uh, we we are getting ready to head into our break and just wanted to remind everybody you can get a hold of us at assuredstrategy.com and we have a uh, link there where you can just fill out a little form if you're interested in talking to assured strategy about your company. Um, we're here we're a coach we are business coaches consultants and advisors and um, we go into companies and help them grow their business. And if you're a lot of the companies we go into aren't necessarily stuck.' they're, they're uh, just trying to grow their business to the next level and maybe not experiencing level growth that they want to do. But we're going to take a break right now. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa show. and we have George Gicho here with us, and he's going to be sharing um, some of his mistake right after the, Break here. Thank you very much, and we'll look forward to seeing you on
0: this side. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
2: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
3: Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share doesn't matter what size share you buy with us you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the the revenue that that plane generates
0: voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in at iheart listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast
2: hey alexa Play Finding Your Frequency podcast.
0: If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show.
1: Hey, everyone. uh, Back to the show. This is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa. This Thursday, 11 o'clock Pacific Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, we have a webinar Uh, reducing workplace conflict and how to increase your productivity. Please join us for that. Our coach LJ will be doing that. And she is really awesome at this stuff. So uh, uh, take a look. And right now we have George Gitchell and he is about ready to share with us one of his greatest mistakes or our failures in business. And um, George, you told us a little bit about your background in the last segment.
2: So I'll turn it over to you. Sure. Well, thank you. So essentially what I did is I invented an entirely new operating system for the solid waste industry. They have been doing things a certain way for decades. And I came with an operating system that blew the whole thing up. Don't need landfills anymore. Don't need a three bin collection route, three different drivers, three different bins. Don't need to tell people to sort anything, put everything in one bin. So complete justification of what they were doing. Complete disruption, transformation idea. So 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 your idea
1: your idea would basically make route stops less by at least two maybe three in some communities um it would so reduce the amount of gas that's used in that and reduce the emissions of that gas it would um then it would take and sort all the things we throw into a dump and sort them out so that less would actually end up in the dump. and Zero
2: would end up in the dump. Oh,
1: ze- zero. 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 Oh, oh wow. I, I guess I never realized that when you and I talked
2: before. It's yeah, zero. Zero. There's zero oh, wow. residue coming out of the facility. So you have mixed garbage in one bin only, not two uh-huh. or three. One bin it comes into the facility and zero goes out. What goes out of the plant are products and renewable energy only. Interesting.
1: So share yeah. with us what 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 did you learn in this journey? Because you've been on this journey for a while, you've ran into a lot of roadblocks, and why don't you well, share The biggest for
2: me is trusting in people and companies in the system and believing that people will do the right thing if you offer them something that is innovative and where they can make money without taking any risk whatsoever, you de-risk the proposition, and it's a powerful, transformative idea. I thought, well, these certainly these big companies, the smaller companies, the government entities, everybody would love it. Why wouldn't they? Because every time I talk to anybody on the street, whether they had any background in the industry or not, just to say the idea, imagine a world where you don't have to sort anything, at your resident or at your business you put everything in one bin and 100 of it turns into new products in a continuous closed loop wouldn't that be great and, yeah, and no you could save all this money and you could help the climate and all these other great things and you didn't have to do anything but put everything in one garbage can every single person no matter how old they were or young they were whatever background they're from didn't matter would go well that's the greatest idea i've ever heard of what's the yeah. problem and the problem is the system, okay? So I made the mistake, and I made it over and over and over again, over 25 years of trying to do this, of trusting in people within organizations and and government entities that certainly, they gravitate to this. And every time I got, uh, I'm trying to look for the right word, um, abused, I'll use that word, okay? Um, Where they took me in, sucked all this information out of me only to kill the deal in the long run and i okay. have a lot of so, experience
1: so, with that. so so you're talking about trusting people in the in the waste injury industry that was very interested in what you had to offer and they brought you in under false pretenses and really just wanted to understand what you were doing so they could understand how to fight against it or how are you to kill saying-
2: it yeah so okay look you you have um, the two largest waste companies, waste management and republic services, along with Green for Life and Waste Connections and Recology, control probably 64 to 75% of the waste stream in, in America. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just gonna be straight up and tell you this. This is a straight-up syndicated monopoly. The entire industry. So these big companies not only control and operate their own landfills, but under contract management control and operate the government owned landfills. So virtually all of the waste in the United States is controlled by these five families at the top of the pyramid, and then all the mid sized players and the smaller players are beholden to them because they control the landfills where 95% of the waste goes. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and you're saying this now, these families monopolize this business. And we know in the United States that monopolies aren't good for freedom, they're oh. not good for entrepreneurs because they oh. actually squash technology. Um, so there's a lot of things that were the issues that caused you to have issues with trusting people. Is that? What you're
2: well, saying exactly because think about this okay you look at the waste industry it's not just the waste industry that i'm up against mm-hmm. okay well, who who supplies the drivers for the waste companies the teamsters union yep. so they don't want one route they want three routes because of dues right, right, right. who do the teamsters unions pay politicians So the politicians that create the environmental policy really don't care about the environment policy, they care about the the contributions. Now, who provides all the recycled paper to the paper mill companies? Oh, the the waste industry. Who supplies all the plastic to the plastics processing industry? Oh, the waste industry. Who supplies all the yard waste to the composting industry? Oh, the waste industry. And then you've got the the trade groups and then you got all the attorneys. So together, it's like $5 trillion worth of industry versus me, versus one person with very limited resources, trying to convince them all, this is a better way you can make more money doing this. So
1: so what you're saying is you're a crazy entrepreneur trying to revolutionize an industry.
2: Yes, but for the greater good.
1: I went no, I, I, I love this because i I mean, you know we're talking to a real entrepreneur here that actually came up with some new technology by by integrating some technologies together. That's you. and then you went out and started talking to
2: these large companies, and what happened? So that, I knew once I had this thing fully developed, right? all the technologies patented and all the technologies selected, I had the whole package that there's no way I'm going to any city and trying to interrupt a contract, right? So the only way I'm going to be able to do this in my mind was I've got to go talk to the big boys. So I had a connection that worked at mid-level management and infrastructure development at Republic services, which was the second largest waste company at the time. It still is the second largest waste company in America. Mm -hmm. coincidentally bill gates is the largest shareholder of that company you know it's like 33.8 percent of it okay so through this friend of mine for two years he vetted my technology and and by the way my technology the patents are on the process right all the machines that we use all the technology has been around operating in the commercial sector for decades so the real key outside of just the sorting system which has been operating in various phases throughout the world for decades. But the the big thing that I was doing is taking everything that already exists and put it on one campus. So instead of doing a recycling plant where you're taking the paper and you're shipping it overseas to a paper mill, put the paper mill right on the campus, right. put the plastics processing right on the campus, right? So that was the big paradigm shift. So I went to, you know, two years of deep vetting through, uh, this friend of mine that worked for Republic. And he finally got to the point where he said, okay, I want to bring this to the sea level. Sweet. So we signed a non disclosure agreement. And the premise was I will come to your company. I will build my, it's called an eco hub, is the name of my company. I will build an eco hub on their landfill. I will fund it 100% privately. I will operate it and I will pay them $40 a ton for the right. garden. Now they're making $10 a ton right now. So I'll pay them four times more than they're making right now for your garbage. But I'm not selling the technology. That was the idea, right? It's right. You
1: happening. don't want you don't want you don't want you don't want to give up the thing you integrated to make work correctly.
2: Correct. I mean, okay. why would I?
1: I mean uh, you're an but, entrepreneur. You want to you wanna see it get rolled out correctly, right?
2: So if you want to look at the whole thing, here's where the threat lies to the big companies. They uh-huh. make ten dollars a ton in EBITDA on waste disposal and recycling. The big companies landfill 95% of their waste. It's not 33% or anything like that, okay? And and they make $30 a ton on collection, three route systems. My system, the EcoHub, a fully integrated EcoHub, makes $1,000 a ton in EBITDA. And you don't need landfills and you don't need three routes. So think about that. Their power position is these entrenched contracts on three route and their landfills. And my thing completely blows that up, okay? So yep. that was the premise. Like, I'm not going to sell you the golden goose or the holy grail for industry transformation because, first of all, for me, it's not about money. But secondly, I know what you'll do. You'll you'll buy it, and you won't build anything. You'll just bury it,
1: right? Yeah, you, d- you didn't want your technology to end up in a safe or... Like maybe like a uh, digital picture technology where it gets buried, it's really invented back in the 70s and it gets buried till the 90s when it really starts to be used. Okay,
2: yeah. And that's another lesson that I learned is along the way of getting these patents. Okay, so I have 31 patents in 55 countries. I'm the sole inventor of them. And I do all the disclosures and the drawings and the claim sets and I own the space. And there are several companies I know infringing. I believe to be infringing on the patents right now. Interesting. Because I told them how to do it. In oh. fact, I, I, I know for a fact that China stole this technology from me and implemented it because the guy that brought it to China was supposed to be my business partner. So the problem with patents is once you put that out there, whether you get them issued or you don't, everybody can look at it and say, I can do this, and then challenge you to sue them, right? Whereas if you keep it as a trade secret, nobody knows about it. So that's a side issue, but I went to Republic and went through this super intensive six or seven month vetting process. And at the end of it, they said, we've tried every which way to shoot holes in this, we can't, we wanna do a deal with you. So I put together a, a specific package for their facility in Anaheim where they didn't have a landfill. This is in 2010 um and three weeks later i get a call from my friend and he goes well you know what they want to do the deal but not your deal i go what are you talking about
1: well we're we're gonna pick up on that right on the other side of the break here uh because it's time for us to go to a break so i wanted to just take a second and um this is a really interesting story because You didn't want your technology just to sell your technology because you didn't want it it, it, to end up in a safe where no one ever was actually using it. So you wouldn't sell it. And now some people that you were involved with took it from you. And we're going to pick it up on the other side there. Um, Just wanted to bring to everybody's attention. As you know, I'm a um, a strategy coach with um, Scaling Up is the system I work. We're doing a Scaling Up workshop in Dallas on December the 6th. And if you're interested in that, please get on our website and click on that. And there's more information on what it costs. And it's a whole day event. I will actually be leading that workshop. So it'll be me at that one. And look forward to seeing you in Dallas. George, we'll be right back after this break. And this is David Chavez. Is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And we have George Gitchell with us. And he's talking to us about trash. All right. We'll see you after the break.
0: Is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show.
1: All right. Hey, this is David Chavez, and uh, this is Strategy Sherpa. We are here talking to George Gitchell, and I just want to remind everybody that we have that webinar on this Thursday, and uh, you get on our website and look at the events, and uh, you can sign up for that. Also, those of you that are in the northwestern United States, We have a uh, three hag uh, metronomics workshop in Portland, Oregon, and that's being done by Ted Spotted by uh, one of my partners in my firm and look forward to seeing everybody there. So, George, so we're on this uh, world uh, republic service. You're talking to them. Um, They they um, they're interested in your technology. Take us from there.
2: So you know the the original deal was I was gonna build the plant and pay them for their garbage. And we replicate this 160 times across the United States. That was the deal. That was the whole reason why I went through this very extensive deep vetting with them, getting into engineering and financial models and all the intricate details of how the system worked. So when they came to me, literally three weeks after I did a formal proposal for this facility in Anaheim, and said, we're not interested in your business deal that was the premise of this entire vetting process. We wanna buy the technology from you and pay you a small royalty. To which I said, no way. I mean, like that's not what we agreed to do. I have NDA with you. I have a letter of of, uh, intent with you for you to allow me to build the plant and own it and, and you get paid for your garbage, not vice versa. How could you do this to me? Well, I'm sorry, George, it's corporate. And I was dealing with the C-level people of this company. Right. So I trusted them. This is the trust part, right? I trusted them because I thought I have an NDA. I have an uh, LOI with them, that they're going to honor their commitment of the deal that we made. So I'll open up the kimono and say, here, here's how I do it. You know, so you're not taking a risk. And then they end up screwing me because I trust it. I'm thinking I'm dealing with C-level people. At the right. second largest company, surely they're going to be men and women of honor, but that's not the case.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you're saying that because um, when we're working with our clients, we have a couple of different things that we talk about. One is, um, and especially when it comes around trust, like when I'm working with a team of people, I have to have vulnerability trust and share with each other things that aren't going as well. And that vulnerability, like if I make a mistake or something like that, I need to be vulnerable with my team, and especially if I'm in senior leadership. Then I also say there's a different trust too. There's the trust that's talked about in the book, the speed of trust that was written by Stephen Covey, his son. Um, And he talks about two different elements needed for trust and that's character and competency, which competency is the ability to do whatever you're doing, and then character, which is your belief system and the way you treat people. So what you're saying to me when you're talking about a trust issue, you're talking about character trust. In other words, you made sure all the legal documents were there, but you may have missed the character trust that you should have vetted a little bit more because you just assume because they were at the C level, they had character trust. Is that what
2: you're saying? Yes, and and unfortunately you're in a situation where what else do you do? If you wanna do business with this company, you're forced to deal with the people at the top of the food chain and you don't have the luxury of saying, well, what's their character really like? how are they as people how do you know that anyway because they're they're being put in a position of trust but you know how it works in the corporate ladder right it's political it's not necessarily skill driven right. and so that that's a whole different dynamic that you got to deal with but at the time top- and,
1: and, and for entrepreneurs that's really hard to navigate Because we don't understand all the politics stuff. We just know we have an idea. It's a really good idea. We want it to get out to the market. And we want to revolutionize the world and really make it a better place through whatever technology we have. And that's exactly where you were at, right?
2: Right. And and you, you have to... You try to trust in the system, but, you know, corporate America, especially big corporate America, where you have entrenched industries like this one, and they're all very similar. I mean, I have other businesses in water and food. It's the same kind of thing that the dominant market players control the industry and trying to break in is very difficult, right? Yeah,
0: most definitely. Yep.
2: With, with, with this situation, you you've only got a few large companies that control an entire industry, and so you're, it's like, pick your poison, right? You you right. have these five big companies. You got to break in with one of them. So I started with Republic thinking, well, Bill Gates, you know, innovator, not really, but you know, really? that whole thing, claims to be an environmentalist. That's the other thing that is is just a blow away when you're doing what I was trying to do. You know, right. all the environmental groups are paid for by the garbage industry. I went to all those guys. I was... Just absolutely lambasted and and persecuted by the Sierra Club, by all these big environmental groups, the NRDC, all these big coming out like I'm Darth Vader. Why? Because I'm a disruptor of the current system. Who's paying their, their fees? The people that run the current system. So, you know, you, you think you have trust in the environmental groups. Surely they care about the environment. No, they care about money. That's the green that they care about. And, you know, you're naive thinking, oh, well, you know, people will do the right thing. And so this leads to, okay, Republic does this to me. Well, I went to waste management. I went to Waste Connections. I went to Casella. I went to Rumkey, I went to Recology. I went to all these different huge companies trying to offer them the same thing. Because I knew if I go directly to a city, they're going to, you know, they're, they're not going to allow me to do it because yeah. they have contracts, right? So I, I thought, I'll go to them first and offer them. I've been doing this over and over and over again, experienced the same thing. Finally, I go, hey, I got to do something different. So I'm going to look at big city. So I had somebody introduce me to the city of Dallas. And I went to the city of Dallas and they had this uh, sanitation director that came up with this idea called trash to treasure The landfill in in Dallas is in South Dallas. Uh It's in a very poor neighborhood. And the idea was to grab waste from North Dallas and bring it down to South Dallas, bury it in the landfill. And then when somebody came up with a technology that could monetize it, dig it up, and then monetize it. So I met this lady. Her name was Mary Nix, who was the director of sanitation. She was also a civil engineer. And I pitched my deal, and she goes, oh, my goodness, I don't need to bury it. I said, no, you don't. Let me build five of these eco hubs in South Dallas at the landfill. The landfill goes bye-bye, and I'll, I'll pay the city $20 million a year in, out of my profit to invest in South Dallas to do that.
1: So you're, gonna, so you're basically paying them for your raw material, which is garbage.
2: Right. So think of it like oil and gas, right? If, you, if oh. you own property and there's oil and gas underneath it, you get paid a royalty. So I was looking at it as a resource rights payment. Right. So I I make this offer to her and she goes, well, that would be incredible, but I need to get this initiative passed. So it was several of uh, my colleagues and I, white guys go into a, an African-American community, very heavy African-American. Hey, listen, we got this idea. We can, we can build, we can make the landfill go bye-bye, make this a a green environmental revolutionary center employ your people, and put a $100 million into your community every single year. You like that idea? Heck yeah, we like that idea. So this thing goes to city council vote, and it passes. Great. But I had told the, the mayor and the city council and the director of sanitation, you can't make this about your landfill versus waste management's landfill. It can't be a money thing. It has to be we right. put the it was called Organic Energy Corporation, but EcoHub and the resources from North Dallas go through that. You don't need to do that. You got plenty in South Dallas, but don't make it about, you know, your money versus theirs. Because if you do that, they're gonna they're gonna win and they're gonna oppose this. Which so when I got involved in this whole thing, of course the waste industry reared its ugly head and attacked me and my team and this whole initiative ruthlessly, not as individual companies, but through their trade organization. You know, I'm the bad guy. I'm horrible and all that other stuff. During this whole process, we were going to Europe to show the the city, the, the newest technology that we had. And that's when I got introduced to Houston in August of 2011 and Houston ended up sending some people to Europe too in September of 2011, showed them the systems. They both came back and said, this works, we're going to do it. Dallas went through this ordinance and during the meeting to vote on the ordinance, the mayor gets up and says, well, this all comes down to we put the money in our pocket or into the garbage industry pocket. I vote for our pocket. That killed the whole deal because the waste industry sued him one week later and won.
1: Oh, no. Okay.
2: Yeah. So Houston took a different route. I came back and they said, well, we're interested in doing this, but there's a new grant that came out through Bloomberg Philanthropies called the Mayor's Challenge. We want to take your idea, one bin for all, and and, and apply for this grant. I said, okay, fine. So we applied for this grant. There was 305 cities that applied for it. Houston was one of five winners. They won a million dollars from Bloomberg based on my idea, one bin for all. I. Right on! Great. This was in uh, 2013. Let's go build the eco hub. No, I'm sorry. We're not going to do that. We're going to go out to RFP. I go, wait a minute. I brought you the idea. You verified it in Europe. We just won a million dollars from Bloomberg. I've got patents on this. No one else can do it. Why is it going out to bid? Oh, it's a big deal. Right. So dummy me. Okay. I, what am I going to do? The city's got to put it out to bid. Did I think that the sanitation director and the mayor and all the city staff were on the take or being bribed or being coerced by the waste industry? No. You know, why would I think that? I mean, I know, but I'm like, no, not this. It's too big of a deal. It's 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 all over the news. They won this money. It's Bloomberg, the big climate change guy, another phony, right? Like it's like, and I believe all this. So what what do I end up doing? I end up going through two and a half years of procurement hell with these guys, spent millions and millions of dollars. I brought in huge partners, the largest construction company in the world, Grupo ACS, $52 billion a year company, IBM, Morgan Stanley, (laughs) just all these gigantic companies that, and we win this bid. And even though we won the RFP, they changed the game on us, so many times over everything on the contract itself which would have been a twenty-five thousand dollar contract you bring us the garbage we pay you 25 dollars a time yeah um so george we're getting ready to go to a break here and i want to make sure that we
1: get this issue out because like what you're saying is that you trusted people that maybe you should have had a little bit more skepticism with and I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back from break. I want to talk to you a little bit about the trust part, because I think that that'll be the part that really resonates with a lot of our listeners. They understand that they have to have a lot of trust in people, but i'm thinking a little bit from your conversation we're missing a little bit of the trust and that's on the character side which is a little bit of the core values that we talk about with our clients so i know you're not a client of mine and i know you don't understand what i'm saying a hundred percent maybe but um i think some of the people out there may understand and we'll pick this up right after the break and, and talk about it again if you're interested in talking to assured strategy you can get on our website at uh, assured strategy.com and you can uh request some info and we'll be happy to talk to you um this is the strategy sherpa show this is david chavez and we're talking about trust and um with George george today and we'll be picking this up right after the break thank you
0: birdie told me voice america is on twitter follow us at voice america trn
3: tune in to the voice america variety channel on the voice america talk radio network voice america variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events arts and entertainment leadership parenting
2: relationships self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety, talk on today's hot topics.
3: Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you, for the first time, to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. When it comes
0: to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show, and we have George Gitchell here, and he was heavy into it. Right before the last break, and he was talking a little bit about trust violations, um, getting new technology out there, and I think this is a really good lesson for entrepreneurs who really have a technology-based uh, solution to be very careful who they're dealing with when they're um, w- w- when they're introducing their technology into the world don't be so afraid that you don't get the technology out there but be have some healthy skepticism and um george uh you were talking a little bit about trust and i just want to sum this up so what i'm hearing from you was really about character trust which is uh, you know like our core values the things that make us who we are and uh what what you're saying is is that you had a lot of people really telling you one thing and then doing another thing behind your back um and that's really what happened to you isn't it with your
2: technology thus far in the story in in every regard right and 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 so to illustrate trust and how to deal with it when we got to the stage with Houston where we're negotiating a contract that really should have been twenty five thousand dollars in legal costs Ended up costing me four hundred thousand dollars in legal costs. Oh wow! Okay. And the reason for that is that the director of sanitation was manipulating the the city attorneys to keep moving the goalpost and make it really difficult to the point where we would just throw up our hands and say we give forget it we can't do this. It was all okay, kind yes. of strategy. So, and so and, what I and what, and what
1: and what you're saying that that the, the industry itself is being ran in a way. That there's so much profit in it for everyone that is in that system they don't want you really disrupting it
2: right they don't want to disrupt the status quo because everything's established all the relationships are established all the contracts are in place and everything else so this is what happens when you're doing a disruptive transformative technology you know you're fighting the whole status quo right and you know these trust issues you can't when you're in business as you know you're you're, and you're going to do business with a company, you might know that the person at the top of the food chain is is corrupt or is, you know, doesn't have great character, but you're relegated to dealing with them. So how do you overcome this trust stuff? Right. And, and I, I'm a very faithful guy. I'm married, never cheated on anybody in my life. And if I meet people, for example, in business who brag about cheating on their spouses, that's a deal killer for me because if, if you can't be trusted with the most sacred promise or vow that you make, how am I going to trust you in business? right So what I've learned through this huge journey of 25 years and 200 times trying to do the same deal with all these different companies first and then the cities and everything is, well, you can't trust anybody. so how do you overcome that? How do you learn from that experience? of driving yourself crazy, working so hard, and having the same thing happen over and over again.
1: Well, well I, I, I would hope that you wouldn't get to the point where you wouldn't trust anyone, right? No, no. It's
2: the, the old famous saying, trust but verify. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what would well, I have well, done well, different? Well,
1: like, I, I'm a CPA by trade. Like, like I uh, when we were actually in college and then it was further reinforced through training as a CPA, we have this thing called healthy skepticism. And you know, like people do tell you things, and you do need to believe them, right. but also you need you have an obligation to go verify that that is true, right? Right. So, right. and that's what you're saying by trust but verify.
2: Well, I'm, and I'll go further than that. Like, let, okay. let, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So, what would I have done differently with Republic Services in the very beginning? Yeah. You know what I would have done? I would have put together the most bulletproof agreement to do business on the exact specified terms under heavy penalties, if my technology passed the vetting test. So I would have come up with an agreement in advance of going through the vetting, that if I passed the test, they had to do that deal.
1: Right, And and, and maybe I'll just a little bit more time making sure that the people you are exposing some of your secrets to, had the character that you have, which you just stated just a few moments ago, like um, if they're going to cheat, then that's they're just probably a cheater everywhere. So you're, you're you're taking some of those things and you're using some of those values that are deeply inside of you. You should have probably used them to vet some of these people and see whether they held some of these things to be true.
2: Right. Well, you but you can only vet people like a lot of people that are cheaters and whatever in life, right? Yep. They're very good at hiding that. Oh, yeah. right. So y- you're never going to really know what people really are. I mean, most people in marriages, sorry, don't know their spouse as well as they really should, right? Who they really, really are deep down inside. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, as an entrepreneur in business, you got to paper the deal in advance in such right. a way that you can't get screwed by these people. Right. If you pass all these performance thresholds that you lay out in a a, a real contract not a letter of intent Well, well, well so, you. So, so what you're sort of saying is like if, if we sit
1: down and we have a deal and we get it down in theory then you want to put it on paper and have them sign everything they're verbalizing to you that they're making that same commitment on a piece of paper that that you can go back to. Is that what you're saying? So it's yeah, legally them. binding,
2: like a contract. Like yeah, okay, yeah, for yeah. example, my proposal is to build uh, to, to design, build, own, and operate this eco facility at your Republic Anaheim facility. Right. I'm gonna pay you forty dollars a ton for the garbage, and you know, I'll take care of everything else. Here are all the terms of the deal. Like you are selling them this deal this is subject to our performance in the vetting process that we pass muster on you know the 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 technology working that the financials work out all these other things you lay everything out if we pass these thresholds performance thresholds then we're doing this deal and it's yeah. an ironclad legally binding contract you know with all the terms and conditions that you have before you go in there and say all right, I'm opening up the kimono and here's all the stuff. So if I open up the kimono, I'm getting a deal. If I would have done that, instead of having a memorandum of understanding, which is toilet paper, which they could screw me on, which is what they did, right? So I wasn't smart in getting the deal done and agreed to by everybody in writing with lawyers so that they couldn't do what they did to me. So 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 so.
1: yeah, as you said it, trust but verify. Yes. And the verification is in the actual contract. And let me just, um, we're, we're, we're getting towards the end of the of the show here. I just want to summarize everything for everybody. So what George is really intent is, is that if we're talking about different types of trusts, but when it comes to the character, just make sure you're verifying. And especially when you are dealing with larger corporations that may not have the same interest that you have. And so I, I think it's a really good lesson. I've seen this happen to several entrepreneurs who have, have groundbreaking technology over my career. So I think it's really important lesson that you're trying to uh, help everybody understand. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And and sharing this with us because I think it's a valuable lesson. And you said you were 64 years old. You've learned a lot over the years. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing that with our audience. Everyone, uh, Strategy Sherpa Show, this is David Chavez. If we can help you in any way in scaling your company, uh, get on assuredstrategy.com. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week uh, and enjoy your week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.